Oh, it was good to be in the house of the Lord with you, worshiping the Lord. Thank God for his presence. That's what makes all the difference, you know. Uh, it's not the music or the singing. It's really the presence of the Lord that makes all the difference. Just by way of announcement, just a couple of thoughts. Uh, just want to let you know that next Sunday is going to be communion. So for the benefit of those who are with us online, just remember that to prepare that. Uh, that'll be next Sunday. Uh, and of course, as always, every Wednesday we gather as a church family to talk to God about all the needs that we have. And we surely have many needs and much to talk to God about. Uh, and by the way, regarding that, if you have a specific prayer request you'd like us to pray over, there is a prayer request box out on the counter, out in the lobby, and prayer request cards. You can just fill it out, drop it in that box, and we'll be sure to pray for your specific need. You don't uh, need your name or anything of that because God knows who that who you are. Uh, but we do want to take that time to pray specifically for any needs that we may have. One of the needs that we are going to pray for even right now is uh, we had over approximately about a thousand uh, students that were in our Illinois camp this past week. Uh, and the reports I got were God moved in a tremendous way down there. We thank God that our young people were really uh, encouraged and challenged and filled with God's spirit. So we're going to be hearing uh, as the week comes some great stories and testimonies of what God has been doing in there. Unfortunately, one of the things that happened is one of our students uh, tested positive as a result, I guess, of being with uh, some of all of these students and uh, they're doing fine, but Every other student also tested negative, but as a precaution, what we've elected to do is that this Thursday's meeting uh, will be only online. So parents, uh, just be mindful about that. Uh, we encourage them to stay home today, and also we're just, we just felt, let's do Thursday service online and give that a whole week of time just to, as a added precaution. Uh, and, but I want to pray right now that God would just not only help uh, that student have a quick recovery, but that all of our students will be covered uh, and be safe. Father, I thank you for what you did this past weeks in, in, in the youth camps. I th thank you for the, the, the close to a thousand students that came in because they wanted to, to get closer to you. And I thank you for those that surrendered their lives to you and said yes to Jesus. I thank you for those who you have filled with your spirit. I thank you for those that have heard your call upon their life, oh God, and, and want to live out that purpose, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for everything that you're doing in the lives of our youth, Lord. And even now, we, we pray, God, that this would not just be a mountaintop experience as it were, but God, that as they now returned home, oh God, and begin their, their life here, oh God, uh, uh, I pray, Father, that they, they would continue being challenged. I pray that they would continue being on fire for you, Jesus. Bless our youth in that regard. We pray for the one who tested positive, God, that you will uh, give them a speedy recovery from COVID, and we pray your precious blood would cover all of the students, oh God, so that no one else would come down uh, either testing positive or being sick, Father. We commit this all into your gracious hands, and thank you even now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. 
Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about greatness. This world defines greatness by people having the ability to go above and beyond the normal or the ordinary. Uh, For instance, we have the Olympics going on right now, and the Olympics are comprised for the most part of the greatest athletes in the world, meaning they are athletes who are above average in their skill, above uh, extraordinary in their talents and and whatever uh, area that they're competing in. Uh, we, we consider great business people to be people who have a, an acumen for business and to develop business and to make the right decisions. Uh, right now, I'm sure Jeff Bezos, the, the owner, the founder of Amazon, and who is now considered the wealthiest man in the world, I'm sure people will look at him and say, he is a great business man. And there's something about this word great or greatness that if we're honest with ourselves, we admire. We, as, we wanna be like the greats. I remember when I was uh, a teenager and you know that was a while ago, uh, I, I emulated my, the one that I considered to be a great basketball player. Most of the kids in Chicago love to wear what number on their uniform? 23. Why? Because of the greatest basketball player ever in Michael Jordan, right? So there's something about that that you want to be into, into that category of greatness. You as, we aspire to, to greatness. No one wants to consider themselves average, Oh boy, we're talking about now 40 years ago. So I was in the business world and I was a supervisor of department. And this was my first year of being the supervisor and I had to do annual reviews. And so I did the annual reviews, wrote them all up and my boss wanted to see them before I interviewed each employee. And when I got, uh, gave them to her and she looked at all of them, she gave me one back and saying, this is the one that you are going to learn how to do an interview on. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, and she hands me a box of tissue. She said, you're going to need these. And I said, but I gave her a satisfactory review. He goes, trust me, you'll need these. And so I called the, the person in sat her down, and I'm going over her annual review, and all of a sudden I hear, and I, oh my God, she's going to cry. And I had the tissue, I said, do you need a tissue? I'm only satisfactory? I said, Let me explain to you, the word satisfactory in business means you're doing the job that we hired you to do. No more and no less. But you mean I'm I'm not above average? Sorry, you're not. And then the tears started to flow. 
And afterwards, I said, maybe I'm not cut out to be a manager anymore. She was crying because in her eyes, she wanted to be evaluated above ordinary. You see, today's word is the word greatness. And there is something about us that we aspire to greatness. Nobody really mimics somebody who's ordinary. You don't copy an ordinary person. We tend to copy somebody that in our eyes is a great person in whatever area of greatness that they are. And as we continue our series called Kingdom Principles, uh, we're going to look at and be reminded that from a biblical perspective, what true, true greatness really is all about. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, we're looking at chapter 20. I'm going to begin reading at verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What do you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and, on, and the other on your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am drinking, I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard about this, the other disciples, they were indignant or angry with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become what? Come on, say it with me. Whoever wants to become? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, uh, to be served, excuse me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. I thank you that your presence is here among us, Lord. And I thank you for the word that you've put in my heart. But now, as always, I desperately need the help of the Holy Spirit to communicate it in such a way so that all of us can understand what the word of the Lord is for us today so that we can see, give us that revelation that we can truly see ourselves in this scripture, how it applies to our life, how we can put it into practice, Lord. There's a kingdom principle here, God, that you desire all of us to know, to learn, and to embrace. And I pray for the grace to do that in Jesus' name. And everyone said once again? Amen. Okay, amen. So now, in recapping, James and John are brought by their mom and they kneel down and they ask a favor of Jesus. They wanted and desired a position of great honor. 
They, they wanted to sit at Jesus' right and left in the kingdom of heaven, which is a position of incredible great honor. And uh, Jesus, of course, said, well, uh, it's not for me to say that. My father is the one that makes that decision. And the other disciples now, when they, they heard that, they became quite angry at James and John. But Jesus now, seeing what was going on, takes this opportunity now to teach his followers. And he starts by letting them know that the worldview of greatness is that those who rule are served by others. The more you have serving you, the greater you are by this world standard. And Jesus said, that's not how it's going to go with you, meaning the the followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who follow the Lord here today. uh, Greatness, Jesus said, is going to be defined not by who follows you, but by who you serve. True greatness, which is what I've titled this message today, true greatness Uh, among the followers of Jesus Christ is defined by who you serve, not who serves you. Why? Well, it's quite simple. And this is the part that I pray we all get today. When we serve, we display the character of Christ. You see, Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to demonstrate the service to the measure that I am going to die for the sins of the world. That's the extent, that's the depth of Jesus Christ serving you and I, all of mankind, that he would sacrifice all for the glory of God. So the kingdom principle, remember we're talking about kingdom principles in this series, and just as a a, a fresh reminder that kingdom principles are that which the kingdom of heaven is structured around, and therefore our lives should be structured around these kingdom principles. Uh, Our life has to evolve around these kingdom principles in order for us to live a life that truly honors and pleases God and that is blessed ourselves. And so the kingdom principle we want to look at today is simply this. uh, I, I wanted to put it as simple as possible. And here it is. Servanthood is the road to true greatness. Servanthood is the road to true true greatness. Now, I want to make sure we're all on the same page, so I I took the moment to also define servanthood, and that is when you devote yourself to the needs of others. That's what it means to be a servant, to devote yourself to the needs of others. And servanthood is the road to true greatness because when we devote ourselves to meeting the needs of others, we are actually displaying the very character of Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far this morning? Okay. And that's, see, displaying the character of Jesus Christ, that's true greatness. When you and I by the grace of God, can display the character of Jesus Christ by our actions, uh, by our words, then we are truly great 
in God's economy, in God's eyes. Now, I do want to give you two thoughts that I came to my heart regarding servanthood that I want to make sure we also fully understand so that we don't get tripped up in understanding and thinking that this is servanthood, but this is not. Listen to the first thought that I want to communicate to us here today, and that is true servanthood is not selfish. True servanthood is not selfish. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse three, the apostle Paul wrote this. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Notice I've underlined that I may boast. In other words, what the apostle Paul was really simply saying is motive. Why we do what we do will determine whether we are really serving or not. Servanthood is defined by motive. Why am I doing what I do? See, true servanthood does not boast about what it does. If we serve, if I could uh, just capsulize Paul's statement and just simplify it for us, if Pastor Jason plays the keyboard because he wants people to be able to see what he does and he wants to be able to say how good he is, then he gains nothing and he has not served. What he has done, he has exercised his talent for his own selfish gain. I want to be recognized. Whenever you and I want to be recognized for what we do for God, then we are not serving God. We're serving ourselves. We want recognition. See, true servanthood does not boast about how or who it serves. True servanthood is never about you. It's always about others. It's not about whether people thank me or not. Oh, I can tell you as a pastor for so many years, I often hear Christians who are not serving. They're angry. They're frustrated. And I talk to them and say, what's going on? How come you dropped out of serving in the ushers? Well, I'm going to tell you why I dropped out, pastor. Nobody ever thanks me. All I ever get from people is attitudes. Nobody appreciates all that I do. Oh, so you serve to be appreciated. See? You serve so that people can thank you. Well, isn't it right that people thank? Yeah, it's right, but it's wrong if you look for it. Oh, it's a big difference. See, too often, we're not serving with the right motive. We're serving to be seen. We're serving to be acknowledged so that we wind up getting credit. And that doesn't display the character of Christ. That's why true servanthood is never selfish, you see. When we make it about us, as Paul said, we gain nothing. Because true servanthood is the road to true greatness. Servanthood is the road If you aspire to be a great Christian, 
then the only road that you must travel on is called serving, servanthood. You see, now the reason why that's so critical is because unfortunately we live in a time where so few serve at all. So few want to be served. So few come, most of the, the population of churches, they come to church to be served, not to serve. I want you to serve my children. I want you to serve my baby and take care of my baby. Ushers, I want you to serve me and wait upon me. Pastor, I want you to serve on me and make sure you preach a good sermon. Pastor Jason, I, I don't like this one, I don't like that one. You're not serving me when you're singing the song that I don't like. And church now revolves around you. But that is not true servanthood. And if it's not true servanthood, then there's not true greatness. Are you with me so far? All right, don't abandon me now. I'm giving us godly medicine for us to recognize because it is such a subtle thing here. Because here's the second point that we need to recognize. And that is that true servanthood has to cost you something precious. This is another one where we get tripped up sometimes. True servant that has to cost you something precious. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. This is David, King David, saying this. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. The, 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 the plague had come upon the people of God because of sin. David needed to go and offer burnt sacrifices at a specific place. When he got to that place, the owner of that land uh, told David, David, here's the oxen I have and I have wood. Just take it and offer it. And David said, no, I'm going to pay for it because I'm not going to sacrifice to God that which cost me nothing. There's a, a dynamic principle here that we need to recognize. Why? Because, again, we're talking about true greatness is what displaying the character of Christ. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus surrendered all. He gave up what was precious, his life, on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for my sin. Would you say amen to that? So he's our greatest example of true servanthood where he ransomed, gave up his life so that you and I can know what it is to have our sins forgiven and to embrace and receive eternal life. And so we need to be careful about our serving that it is not convenient. Convenient serving. See, we go from not serving at all to then say, well, I'll serve conveniently. Now, what does that mean? Convenient serving is I'm not going to give up what's precious to me. I'm not going to give up my time. I'm not going to put too much effort. I don't want to really work hard. And I certainly don't want to give up my resources. If it's going to cost me that, I'm not serving. Let me break it down even more about my time. You see, serving has to fit into my schedule. God may be calling you to serve. Let's, let's, put a, let's, let's do Christianette. 
God may be calling you to serve and to minister to our children. And there is a requirement to that, a commitment that's required to serve in that ministry. But now you evaluate, wait, 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 wait. I have to be here how many times in a month and, and I have to do what? Well, uh, my schedule. You know, I'm really busy. So what we're saying is, if service fits into my schedule, then I'll serve. But if it doesn't fit into my schedule, well, I'm sorry, but you just got to find someone else, you see. Well, I really want to serve, but you just are asking me to do so much. I mean, to work in the parking lot ministry. You realize, Pastor, I got to be out there in the sun in the summertime? Do you realize I got to wear a coat in the wintertime? That's all, you're asking a lot. Yeah, but we give you hot chocolate. Come on. And we give you a, little, a cup of cold water in the summertime. What more do you want? Yeah, but that's an awful lot that you're asking me to do. Wait a second. To work with the kids or to work with the youth, sometimes you mean I got to put money out of my pocket to bless them? Well, you might. If God puts something in your heart that's inspiring to the kids, but the church can't provide it, you provide it. Oh, I don't know. I'll use my time, but don't ask me to use my money. You see, the serving out of convenience, here's the trap of that. It's subtle, but we got to get it today. Serving out of convenience is just another form of selfishness. Because what we're really saying is, it's got to revolve around me. Serving God, serving other people has to revolve around my world. If it fits in, I welcome it. If it doesn't, well, okay, said I said I. And I've discovered over the years, when God puts something in your heart to do, nine out of 10 times, it's not going to be convenient. Nine out of 10 times, it's going to cost you. Nine out of 10 times, you're going to have to work hard. That's the way it is. But you see, we want to call ourselves servants without being a servant. Right? Because when the servant is called upon to do, can you imagine? And, and remember, the, the, the idea of a, of a servant in the scriptures simply means you have a master. And the master tells you what to do. Now, that's foreign to us today because by the grace of God, we have an economy and a, and a, and a, and a culture, a society now where we have outlawed slavery. And so nobody is a master anymore. Nobody is a servant anymore. But let's break it down this way so that we can all understand. As an employee, you're an employee of God. And God puts it in your heart to say, hey, I, I want you to do this. Do you tell the, your boss no? How many know what would happen if you went to job tomorrow and your boss said, hey, I got a job for you. I need you to take care of I'm not doing that. Well, why not? I don't have the time for that. Wait a second. I employ you. Your, this time that you're here is my time. 
Yeah, but I decide how I spend it. Really? Yeah. I got this job. Yeah, but that job, not only do I don't have the time, that job is too hard. I don't want to do that. You don't pay me enough to do that. Oh, really? It sounds foolish, doesn't it? We would never think to do that to our, our boss. But why do we think to do that to God? See, because in truth, we don't see ourselves as servants. We see God as a servant serving us instead of us serving God. And here's the other area where so many Christians stumble. You cannot, it is impossible to serve God without serving his people. It is a lie to think that you can call yourself a person who is serving God if you're never engaged in serving people. Because God serves people through people. And so God would say, if you love me, go love him. You love me, then go help her. You love me, then go do for that one what they can't do for themselves. You see, that's how God, the economy of God operates. And so it's critical that you recognize to be a true servant it has to cost you something that's precious because we're good at giving what's not precious to us. There are things that say, I, I don't mind doing that. Why? It's no big deal. I, I'll, I'll do that. But when that moment comes and God says, I want you to do this. This is how I want you to serve. And now we evaluate, that's going to cost me. Yeah. See, because you can't demonstrate the character of Christ without it really costing you. Servanthood is the road to true greatness because when we devote ourselves to meeting the needs of others, then we display the character of Christ. And displaying the character of Christ, well, that's true greatness. Pastor Jason, if you would come. Now, let me just end it with this. Serving is a matter of listening to the voice of God. There are opportunities every single day to serve. Whether you serve in, in, in the church, serve in your home, Come on, I'm going to talk to some. Oh, most of my teenagers are not here today, but I need to, for those of you hopefully are watching this or will watch this, sometimes teenagers think, well, I'm busy for God. And so they don't pick up their room or they don't do any chores. And uh, Chores, oh my God, I said a bad word, sorry. You know, I grew up, everybody, my father had six kids. There were six of us. Do you know every single one of us had a chore? My father believed, you want to live in this house? You're going to do some work. Nobody lives here for free. And so we grew up under that discipline. And I've often shared with some of our teenagers, if your room is not kept, you're not honoring God. Don't talk to me about worshiping God and serving God in church, and then your room is a mess at home. See, serving God begins at home. We serve one another at home. 
Husbands, serve your wife. Wives, serve your husbands. Parents, serve your children. Children, serve your parents. Serve one another. Display Christ at the home, in the community, your neighborhood. Serve your community. Some people wonder, why don't I have the opportunity to share the gospel? It's all around you all the time. It's more often than not, it's in the form of serving. Because when you serve people, it opens up a door. They want to know, why are you doing this? And there's your opportunity to share. I want to do for you what Christ has done for me. Let me tell you about that. And of course, it ought to go without saying, but it needs to be said. No one is called to sit in church and do nothing. Everybody has a function. God has called everybody to serve in one capacity or another. And you will never achieve true greatness until you embrace being a servant and letting God use you to bless others, to meet the needs of others. Because when you do, they will see Christ in you. And you will be blessed. And God will whisper into your heart, well done, good and faithful servant. It's the heart of Jesus. Because he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life for all of us. Stand with me today. Lewis, where are you, Lewis? Are you around? Would you come up for a moment, please? I'm going to embarrass him. I'm telling you right now. Maybe he won't come. He won't talk to me ever again. But I really prayerfully considered whether I should do this or not. But I wanted you to see a real-life servant one who serves. He doesn't preach in this church, but if life really preaches strong. You see, Lewis' day job is to be a maintenance man, to take care of this building physically. Would you not agree he does a great job with that? Him and his staff do a great job. But most of us, or many of us, I should say, in this place, have experienced Lewis serving you. Well, he'll come to your house and help you. I know for a fact there are store owners in this community that know him by name because he goes into their stores and sweeps their, their floors and does things to help them without them even asking. So he's an impact in his community. He's an impact in his neighborhood. He's an impact here in the church. And I brought him up because so often people think that serving has to be something big. But listen, like preaching or teaching or doing Serving is meeting the needs of others. When God shows you a need, that's your opportunity to serve. Lewis, thank you, buddy. So... See, that is true greatness. Doesn't do it to be seen. 
just sees a need and says, I can meet that need and does it for the glory of God. Can you imagine how life would be transformed within the structure of a home if everybody had a servant spirit? I guarantee you, I'd have parents coming to see, you got to pray over my child. Well, what's wrong with your child? I don't know, but they got this thing in there. All of a sudden, they're cleaning, not just their room. They're cleaning over here. They're cleaning over there. That's not my child, Pastor. Something happened to my child. What a testimony we would have at homes. If spouses were, were fighting to serve one another. How would we be in our community if people knew who we were? Not because we preach loud but we serve quietly. And people see the character of Christ. And my God, what would it be like in church? See, right now, we've got a, one camera empty because we didn't have people show up. We've got ushers that struggle because we don't have enough ushers. And, and each ministry is struggling Uh, to try to meet the needs that are before them because they don't have enough workers. My brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to put guilt or condemnation. I want you to be blessed. I want our lives to be structured around the kingdom principles so that we can live a life that pleases God and that in turn blesses us. And you can't do that if you don't serve. Pastor Jason, would you close us out in the word?